Psalm 16, and well, today we continue our sermon series in the book of Psalms. Now, I was asked by Al this morning to consider preaching this psalm. And this is a little different experience for me up here this morning because I just recently preached this very psalm, not here, but in Alaska. When I was on sabbatical this past fall, I had the opportunity to really serve the church that we were a part of as a family. It was a delight to be able to preach to them. And this is the text I went to. But the reason I shared that this morning is this. For the very reason that I could preach that sermon, there was because of my years spent here with you all. For that which I'm about to speak of, church, is something that I have learned from so many of you, the least of whom would be Alpino. Today's message is entitled, All My Delight. And it comes from verse 3 of Psalm 16, in which we read, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. But just a few words about Psalm 16. I'm not going to go through it as I usually do. I'm a pretty linear thinker, so I actually love just walking through verse by verse, section by section, a passage of scripture. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that today. I'm really going to hone in on verse three, because I believe this verse, and I will reference other, other verses, but I believe this verse, verse three, has something unique in the Psalter, in the Psalms for which I want to mine and seize this morning. And it really goes back to what we talked about last week, our vision as a church. If you recall, our mission is to be gospel-rooted disciple-makers who are spirit-led, who are missional, who are radical and relational. And church, I don't know how we can be that type of disciple-maker without the delight that we are going to speak about this morning, which we see in Psalm 16. This isn't just a psalm about personal contentment or happiness. There is that element there, absolutely. But it's a psalm which has radical implications for the way that we do church here at Palm Vista. In other words, the way in which we go and make disciples. So with that in mind, I'm just going to read the whole psalm, set the context for this morning. Psalm 16, starting with verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure 
For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church, let's pray. Well, dear Lord, we desire this morning to have a feeling sense of the very thing of which we speak, and that is delight. But Lord, there, even as I pray that, there is an awareness in my soul that I just can't muster up delight. Lord, delight, joy comes from knowing you. So Lord, our request this morning is that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would speak to us through your word, and as such, we would know you better and delight in you more. This morning when we pray, amen. Amen. Well, the question up there for, on the screen is this. Do you delight in God's people, the church? In phrasing that question, though, I'm not asking, do you delight in the church as a concept? I'm not even asking, good question, but I'm not asking it. Do you delight in the church universal? Christians worldwide. I'm not asking if you delight in the Christians in China. In the sense, I hope you do. They're brothers and sisters, right? That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking, do you delight in the biblical heroes of the faith? The Apostle Paul or King David. Or the historical giants like Martin Luther or John Calvin. Or modern day, Billy Graham, who recently passed. That's all good. That's not what I'm asking when I ask this question. I'm asking, do you delight in the saints who are around you? To your right, to your left, before you right now, and behind you. That's the question that we're getting at this morning. Do you delight not just in those out there or back then, but those right here, in your very midst. Or in the words of the psalmist, do you delight in the saints who, quote, who are in the land? See, apparently King David did in this psalm. Verse 3, we just read it. But what exactly was the delight of which David was speaking? That leads to our first point this morning. That's this, the dual nature of our delight. You see, in our, in our psalm, it's apparent from verse 1 that David is in some type of trouble. We don't know exactly what type of trouble, but if you read the Psalms, David is often in trouble, is he not? And he's feeling threatened. But what I want you to notice is where he goes in his thoughts and in this Psalm, this song. David finds comfort in delighting in God, in his presence, but also his people. And that's what we can often miss, that conjunction Delighting in God, we got that, right? I know I must have do that. No, yeah, delighting in God and his people, the saints. In other words, church, it's a package deal. Package deal. It's a dual delight. Where do you go in your mind when the going gets tough? Like David, verse one. Where do you go? What do you turn to? Or who do you turn to? We can turn to a lot of things, right? When the going gets tough, 
We can turn to certain foods. We can turn to, you know, binge watching or favorite TV show. We can turn to sleep. We can turn to porn. We can turn to alcohol. When the going gets tough, do you seek pleasure in God and his saints? Why would we do that? Why would we turn to God in those moments and to his saints? Because church, that is where goodness is found. More goodness than you could possibly ever want or desire. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 16. David says, I have no good apart from you. Speaking to his Lord. That's quite a statement. But then read the very next verse. A statement which at first seems a little out of, not out of context or out of place, but at least unexpected. He's just saying, all that I have is good is it found in you, God. Then he says in verse 3, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Wait a second. I have no good apart from you. In the very next breath, David is singing, but the saints in whom is all his delight. What's going on here? See, apparently these saints are a part of the goodness of God, which David is referring to and recounting in this psalm. See, in this psalm, I believe David is taking inventory. He's taking inventory of God's goodness and counting all his benefits and blessings. And the least, not the least of whom are the saints in the land. Church, please make the connection. Proper delight in God will lead us to delight in those who belong to God. Because those who belong to God, they're God's grace to us. They're God's goodness to us. But who exactly are the saints in the land to whom David is referring? Well, in the psalm, we see that the saints, by way of contrast with verse 4, are those who are not idolaters. They're those who have been faithful to his Lord. Let's be careful here, though, when we mention the word saints. It probably has a lot of connotations, doesn't it? He's not talking about perfect people here, okay? The saints. Not referring to dead people, all right? Who are labeled saints by the church. No, David is speaking of imperfect, living, flesh and blood people, presumably those he knew or had gathered with, those who are in the land. Today, when we talk about the saints, we're talking church about ordinary people. In the church, those who are true followers of Christ Jesus. Those who display the grace of God to us. Those with whom we serve and worship right here at Palm Vista. But why does David call the saints the excellent ones? Or if you have the New American Standard Version, it's even more regal, the majestic ones. It's just not quite, you know, that sounds a little over the top, doesn't it? It's not language we're accustomed to. But I, I, see, I think David saw something in the saints that we can often miss. But it wasn't something intrinsic to these individuals. No, he saw something greater in them. No, no. He saw someone greater in them. He saw God at work. And he saw his grace. You see, the saints for David, and should be for us today, church, are those who reflected God's goodness, God's grace, in God's glory to David. When he was around them, 
when he worshiped with them, he experienced God. That's one of the reasons we're gathered here this morning, isn't it? Why are we gathered together physically in one place this morning? You all know you could be at home. You could stream a sermon online, couldn't you? In the privacy of your own home. But you'd be missing something. It's the gathering of the saints who reflect God's goodness to you. We gather together to sing to God, but to one another, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. We gather together to partake in God's goodness as a collective, as a people, to be encouraged. David saw the work and reflection of God in the saints as they followed and worshiped God. And it brought him encouragement, delight, even in the midst of his struggles. And he couldn't keep quiet. He couldn't keep quiet. Thus, Psalm 16. I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking, Corey, where do you, where do you find delight? I was, just, I was thinking of Palm Vista. I was just thinking about just little, little snapshots were just running through my head this week. They were cool. The first one that ran on my head was a couple of weeks ago, walking into children's ministry and seeing Justin Ross there with the five, a swarm of five to ten-year-olds. And I he had a little apron on, you know. I would have swore he had a little sweat on his brow. I mean, he, he did. He, he was sweating it. But just a, a smile on his face. And, and honestly, it just brought me delight to see this man serving that way. Delight to know he was serving the children. And I'm saying that honestly as one who has a child in children's ministry and knows the challenges thereof. It's what I experienced when I recently watched the video, I think the God 2 video that Melinda Bush did. You know, to help our children memorize scripture with a song and a hand motion and see Mindy, your smile. There was just delight to see her operating in her gifts and serving our little children. It's what I experienced a couple weeks ago at our men's camping retreat. Remember guys, the first night? Guys gathered around the campfire, jamming with the musical instruments and praising God. And there, there was delight there. There was delight to see it happen the way it happened, there was delight to join in with the guys around that campfire that first evening. It's what I experienced when I was walking through the hallway a couple weeks ago and ran into Jeannie Pernia, who's with Heartbeat of Miami. I knew she'd just come back from Peru and Cuba. I just wanted to hear about her story there. And she just lit up. And it was just so amazing to hear her story and to hear the excitement with which she's serving the Lord in an area that she is so passionate about. It brought delight. I think, church, you can relate. See, what in those moments that were flashing through my head, what I was hearing and what I was seeing was the empowering and exemplary grace of God operating in individuals, in the saints. I believe it's what the psalmist was seeing. Those who encouraged him to follow wholeheartedly after God, exercising faith, not giving in to the ways of the world. But note this as well. David wasn't just seeing God's work and grace in the saints. You know what else? He was verbally delighting in them as well. And oh, that's so important. You know, we lived in a very simple house while we're in Alaska for those three months on sabbatical. It was a simple house, but it had a million dollar view of the towering mountains and glacier of the Matanuska Valley. 
I lo- you guys know me. I love mountains. I love climbing. I just love looking at mountains, okay? And we just had a huge living room window. And every time I'd walk by, I just had to look. But not just look. I had to say something. To see the new snow on the mountain. To see the fog in the valley. To see the way the sunlight, the setting, setting sun, cast that brilliant yellow glow across the valley. Whatever it was, I had to point it out. I had to point it out to my children. Hey, did you see that? That's amazing. Why was I doing that? My children, by the way, they all have two eyes. They're not blind. You can't miss it. You're going past this huge living room window. It's where we ate every day, three meals a day in front of this window. What was I doing? Was I pointing it out because I couldn't see it? No. I was doing it because I was delighting in what I was saying, and I was giving voice to it as well. I've been so helped by a quote from C.S. Lewis from his book, Reflection on the Psalms. I'm going to put it here on the screen for you. Hear this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. Church, I think it's exactly what David is doing in this psalm. Verbalizing, singing, and completing his delight as he spoke about and, yes, sung about the saints. You see, delighting in God and delighting in God's people go hand in hand. We mentally, but we also verbally delight in God's people because we see God in them and we want to be with them. But I believe there's another reason that we delight in God's people as well. And it's something that, well, I'll speak for myself, something that I seldom or too seldom contemplate. And it's a truth, to be honest, that I can even scarcely believe. It's this. We delight in God's people because God is delighting in us. In this psalm, King David is not only a model for us. He's what we could call a type of Christ. What I mean by that, he's not Christ. But as King David, he pointed forward to the king of kings to come, King Jesus. The one who would come in David's very line. The promised seed and savior, Jesus Christ. The one who suffered on a cruel wooden cross. The one who I believe is being referred to in verse 10. The Holy One who did not see corruption. The one who raised from the dead, King Jesus, who was reigning and ruling today. And catch this, who is delighting over all of us, over those who are his redeemed. But what's prophesied church in Zephaniah is true for the true Israel today. And that is the church, all his saints who are following him. Listen to God's take on those he has redeemed and will return for. Zephaniah 3, read verses 14 through 17. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. 
Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your hearts, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. By the way, just read the first three chapters of Zephaniah. It's all about judgment of the nations and God's people for the disobedience. But yet, listen to what's happening. Listen to what he promises to do. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Maybe that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Sometimes I I do feel a little uncomfortable with that. But you see, if our focus is primarily on our sin and shortcomings, you may struggle this morning to find this truth credible. That Jesus delights and sings over his redeemed, all those he's called and who follow him. I want to read a comment from the ESV study Bible just to reiterate this point on this very text in Zephaniah. It says this, this verse remarkably adds that God himself will rejoice over you with gladness, indicating that when God's people seek him and follow him, yes, and rejoice in him and trust him, then God personally delights in them. This is not an aloof, emotionless contentment, but it bursts forth in joyful, divine celebration. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Oh, church, flash forward to the book of Revelation. Get a picture of what we're talking about here. It's loud. They're singing. Oh, it's singing to the Lord. Absolutely. And it's singing that comes from the Lord as well. As you delight in God, he is personally delighting over you. Just let that settle in, church. But also let this settle in. God is delighting over the person sitting right next to you. If he or she indeed is a follower of Christ. Are you? That leads to the next point, a final point. When delight is difficult. Or when I don't delight. See, as I prayed earlier, you see a, a gritty resolve or determination can't produce the delight that we're speaking of here. It doesn't work, does it? I will delight in that person. You know, or for those who like a little checkbox, okay, go home and delight in so-and-so. Yeah, it, it doesn't work that way. Why? Because delight is ultimately a heart issue. Delight is ultimately just seeing a gospel issue. You ever notice that it's quite natural to see sin in others? I mean, I don't need a lot of training in that comes pretty natural to me, okay, as a human. It's not hard. But while it's quite natural to see sin, it's supernatural to see grace, God's grace, in the work he's doing around us and in others. In other words, we can't just will ourselves to delight any more than we can will ourselves to obey from the heart. See, this imperative, this command to delight 
is preceded by the indicative truth that God delights in his covenant people, those who belong to him and are following in his ways. When we see that, oh church, we can delight, we should delight, and we will delight. If we don't grasp that, and you don't delight in God, it's safe to say that you're going to not, well, you're not going to delight in the saints. Not at least in the way that the Bible speaks about it here. That's not to say that you don't maybe enjoy hanging around the saints, right? There's people here, you enjoy hanging around, you call them your friends. You may even serve them. But there's no true delight unless we know what it is to delight in God who delights in us. You know, as men, speaking of the camping trip, we spoke about encouraging one another, didn't we? I'm just thinking about, thinking about that when I was preparing this message. If you find no delight in the saints, you're not going to encourage the saints. You're not. See, discipleship, it's more than delight, but it's not less than the delight, okay? When I say discipleship, I mean everything from evangelizing someone who doesn't know Christ to helping walk with them in spiritual maturity. If we're not delighting in God and delighting in the saints, then we're probably not going to be active in delighting in others, even the non-believer. But if we are delighting, if we do find delight in God and his saints, guess what? We're going to want to introduce people to the God to whom we delight and his people to whom he calls us to call the church. It's going to happen. So if we want to be those type of disciples that we mentioned last week, church, this isn't some little minor point here. This is a big deal. See, here, here's my concern that we're not just talking about delighting one another like a, you know, a campfire kumbaya, okay? Just a little holy huddle. We just need to delight one another. Yes, there's moments like we talked about in the camping trip. That's very appropriate, okay? We're talking about delighting. As we delight in God and one another, we are a witness to the watching world. Oh, this is missional, church. This is radical in a world who doesn't know delight. Not delight in the things of God. God is calling us that delight and he holds that out to us, O oh church. Friends, if you've never really delighted in God's people, the church, if the saints, you know, have lost their luster, so to speak, I want to encourage you this morning, you have a beautiful inheritance to discover in Christ. It's God and his people. It's called the church. David puts it this way, Psalm 16, 55 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. We have it on the screen. Can we put it up there if we have it? You hold my lot. Maybe you don't. You have it in Psalm 16 there. Let me say it again. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What is this beautiful inheritance? Most plainly, it's the Lord who is our inheritance. But when he says in verse 6, the lines have fallen from me in pleasant places, I believe the psalmist is recognizing God's providential ordering of his life down to the very saints in the land where he dwells. 
So I can't help but think that David had in mind not only God as his inheritance, but God's people as well who were in the land where God had placed him and to rule over. The excellent ones, the majestic ones. I'm not sure how you got to Miami. Maybe you were born here. Maybe your job or family brought you here or brought you back here. But I know that you have a story. You have a story just like Al and David and myself, we shared this past, past Sunday. I'm not sure how you came to Palm Vista. Maybe you were invited by a friend. Maybe you did an internet search. Maybe it's a drive-by sighting and you came. Whatever the case, God has providentially ordered your steps down to the very people, God's people in your lives. Those saints that you see when you walk through this door on a Sunday morning or that you gather with at community group on a Wednesday or Thursday night. Perhaps coming to live here in South Florida and to be part of this church has meant saying goodbye, saying goodbye to family. Maybe embracing Christ has ostracized you from your own family, even those who live nearby. If that's the case, oh church, Christ has some stunning words for you in his word. It's a promise. It's an inheritance. It's the saints. Christ put it this way, and I believe we do have this on the screen here. Mark 10, 29 and 30. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. What is this inheritance which Christ is speaking about? This promise? What is this promise he's holding out? It's houses, it's brothers, it's sisters, it's mothers, it's lands. It's spiritual family. It's the saints. It's me. It's you. It's the church. Christ isn't talking about simply the life to come. But he's talking as well about now. Notice the verbiage. What you receive now in this time, on this earth, a hundredfold. It's the church. It's God's people. Have you experienced such family, such saints? And have you learned to delight in them? But let's be honest. To delight is difficult. And sometimes to delight in family is the most difficult of all, right? Because you know them the best and they know you the best. It's so easy to distance ourselves from those that we don't click with, that we're not like or those we're in conflict with. We see it quite often in the church at large. But, oh, church, instead of distancing ourselves, let us delight. Let us learn to delight in the saints with that brotherly and sisterly affection. If you find yourself here this morning, you find yourself just a little tired, a little apathetic, a little unmoved, oh, please, don't stay there. You can't. Change begins with delighting yourself in the Lord. Change begins with the knowledge and that he has providentially placed you here, right where he has you right now in the very seat in which you sit, with the people that you're around, in the neighborhood in which you live, live or in the co-workers 
and what you work with. That's God's doing. And he has delight for you. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Number two, change may mean for some of you just confessing a coldness of heart. You know, confessing is just agreeing, agreeing with God, what he already knows to be true. Saying, Lord, this is my heart. This is where I'm at. I can't fake it. I can't muster it. But Lord, I don't want to be here. Lord, work in my heart. First, show me what it is to delight in you. And secondly, what it means to delight in your people. Ask him. Church, that's a prayer that God is eager to answer. Number three, change means, as mentioned, praying earnestly. It may mean praying for the very people that you want to delight in. Praying for the very people, perhaps, that you have the most difficult delighting in. It's praying for delight, but it's praying for the people that you want to delight in. I I know nothing in my life, really, that can cultivate delight more than praying for you. That's why we have a directory. We have an app. If you don't have it, talk to me. We might get you that app, okay? That app that we have, Instant Church Directory, isn't just so you can see people. We might see the picture, who's in the church. We want to know their contact information. But you can pray for them as well by name. Let's pray and pray for one another. Let's cultivate that delight. But there's only one thing that can, I've found that can even trump praying for another person. And that's this, praying with that person. Oh, I love praying with the saints. It does something. When I hear your relationship with the Lord expressed in prayer, it does something in my heart. That's what we pray corporately and not just individually. I'd love for you to join us on a Friday morning. I know it's early at 6 a.m. Let's delight together. Let's pray to the Lord. But when we're praying, we're praying, we're listening. We're encouraging one another, you know, through our prayers. There's an affection that God works as we pray together, to come together as family, to pray into our God. As we pray in our community groups, as we pray with one another outside in the breezeway, whatever it may be. Oh, prayer. And lastly, let's stoke that delight, church. Whatever delight that you're aware of right now in your heart, however small it may be, or however large it may be, stoke it. How do you stoke it? You verbalize it. You verbalize it. There may be someone you need to talk to. Maybe they're here. Maybe it's a phone call. I don't know. You just need to verbalize your delight. Individuals who have inspired you. Individuals who God has used in your life in significant ways. Or just individuals maybe you don't know too well, but when you see them, you just, you see God's grace all over them. You know what? They need to hear that. You know what else? You need to tell them as well. You need to express it. So church, may we be a people who delight in the saints as we delight in our Lord and Savior. You see, delight, it's contagious. Go infect someone today, huh? With that in mind, let us pray. Let the worship team come on up. Let's just delight in one last song, Amazing Grace. How appropriate to do that as we cultivate delight. Let's pray. Well, dear Lord, we as believers are not islands unto ourselves. 
there's a sense that each one of us stands on the shoulders of others. Sometimes, Lord, we barely recognize those shoulders. But Lord, I believe it's humility to say thank you, to take delight in those that you've used in our lives to help encourage us and bring us closer to you. So Lord, I ask today that you'd bring those people to mind. We'd be faithful just to express that delight. Lord, we want to take action on what we've heard. We want to delight in you. And we want to delight in your people. We want to know the fullness of joy for which you have for us and for your church and for your witness and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let us sing the final song. Let us delight.